0: Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 57. This is a lucky dip episode, which means I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so let's find out.
1: Hey guys, this is Lectro. I hey guess I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferret. Zera. This is Kerrigan. Are you listening to Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The, Truth? the Truth. the Truth. the Truth. the Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. Are we rushing in
2: or are we going sneaky peaky like?
0: You have to excuse me. Uh, It's been a big week. Just poured myself. (coughs) Pardon me. A San Savolo, which is described as a premium Croeno Livo. Pivo? I'm not sure. It's a Croatian beer. (coughs) Um, It's not bad, actually. It's a red beer. Uh, Apparently, that's what they drink here. I'm currently in (coughs) Rovinj. Rovinja, I'm not exactly sure how to even pronounce it, Uh, on the coast of Croatia, and um, enjoying being a local, although I'm still very sick, and uh, I'm going to have to do a lot of editing of coughing, I think, in this one. It took me about 10 tries to get that intro correct without uh, coughing. Um, But either way, the reason this is a Lucky dip episode is because life has been throwing up a lot of stuff recently so much so that I haven't really been able to collect my thoughts and I don't like putting out episodes uh, unless there's a bit of coherence so <coughs> pardon me I am um, I just thought I might just go ahead and embrace the chaos this time because I really don't have I won't have a chance to actually I don't think sit down and work out what the hell is going on inside my head um, There hasn't been too much happening in the world of Counter-Strike either. I did want to talk a lot more about the rosters and the roster changes that uh, happened last week or last episode. But um, as I said, I think it might just be a good idea to uh, address those when those particular teams actually start playing again. One of the ones that's happened in the last few days is Phelps being confirmed as the fifth for MIBR. Phelps, of course played with them until, uh, when was it? Uh, the end of 2017, towards the end of 2017. He was only with them for about a year, but they won a shit ton of uh, trophies. This, this uh, roster change was not a surprise because it was rumoured for quite some time. Uh, and for those that don't recall, Phelps was actually, well, at the time, The re- part of the reason given, that uh, was given for his ejection from the team and then subsequent replacement with bolts was because his style was already being, um, how do we say, played by another member of the team, which was Fur. Phelps was characterized as an aggressive player and um, they didn't need another fur on the team. At least that's how it went. Uh, I think, actually, to be honest with you, it seemed like there was more of a personality thing going on. Uh, it could have been that he wasn't exactly towing the line with daddy fallen because bizarrely i mean the replacement with uh by bolts for um phelps was strange or interesting or worth pointing out in that bolts had previously played with fallen and that and that core and was kicked due to I guess maturity issues. I think that was basically the reason that was given at the time, and then brought back in. And one of the reasons Fallen said he, he, he one of the reasons he gave for bringing back Bolts was that he had reached some sort of maturity in the intervening years, and he considered him worthy of playing again with the team. Uh, this might have been that Bolts had mellowed out and was happy to either play a more supportive role or basically do what Fallen wanted him to do. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly if that is the case, uh, but Phelps, it seems, has now completed a very similar circular return to the uh, to the uh, sh- uh, you know the, to nuzzle beneath the, the jutting the shadow of the jutting chin of the patriarch of Brazilian Counter Strike. So that's interesting. Um, whether or not Bolts will then continue to return to this lineup and will be swapping between the two of them for the next twenty years. Obviously, is a pattern that remains to be observed. Um, perhaps this is a very good uh, point to um, br- bring out an interview I did with Bolts at IEM Sydney that's been sitting in the archives now, <sighs> gathering um, yellowness with uh, time. Obviously, Bolts has been through several changes since then, although I believe he is now. Uh, still at this point in time on the bench for MRBR. Is that correct? Or has he gone to luminosity? I think he might have actually gone to luminosity. You know, real-time uh, HLTV, this mofo. Um, you'll have to excuse me. I'm sure I've talked about Bolts before and exactly where he's at, but I'm really high on medication and my head is in another galaxy. Oh, that's right. He's in luminosity now, of course. That's right. He found a home and we're very glad for him. So what do we have a listen to what he said about... Uh, Potentially being kicked on MIBR because we have brought him up as the test case scenario for the player who discovers that they aren't wanted on the team anymore, anymore but has to continue to play on said team. And uh, when I brought this up with him at IEM Sydney, he had a very uh, mature way of addressing that issue. Let's have a listen. <laughs> Well, I'm going to ask a question that is maybe a bit uncomfortable, but you don't have to answer if you don't want. I heard when he was going to come, they were asking for Automatic as well. Yeah. Was that the truth?
1: Yeah, I think it was the truth. And it's a team option, but automatically, don't don't want to come, and I stay. Uh, I don't have problems with that. I, I need to play my game and focus on, on help my team. If they want to replace me or replace another teammate, I just need to... Accept that, you know. Like uh, we are professionals, so if the team is not doing well, it's fine. I, I know what's gonna happen. And that's it.
0: I feel like you've been playing better since then, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I start to improve a little bit from the past tournaments, but I know I'm not playing the the how I can yet, and not confidence how, how I was before. So. I, I know I need to play better, and I know I can, so.
0: Are there any other players whose demos you watch?
1: Yeah, I need to, uh, I've been watching some, like, shippingix demos, some solo guys, because I, I take some spots, uh, new spots, like, B-O-M-R-A, so it's been really hard for me to adapt for these spots, and that spot is, like, no one wants to play, but I need to, so... Being really hard, but I'm trying to improve every tournament. So.
0: so, there you have it. There is uh, Bolts talking about. Um, I should have provided some more com- context for that actually. But uh, if you recall, when uh, Stewie2K came in replacing Phelps, there was also the pretty well confirmed rumor that MIBR had asked for Automatic to come across with him and to replace Bolts when Automatic refused because he is a man of. Integrity. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm not sure actually why he refused. Um, Yeah, the the situation I I thought would have been a bit uh, awkward for Ricardo Praz, but obviously he took it on the chin and did his best with the sitch. Uh, Now, one of the interesting things about this Phelps move to MIBR is that speculation (laughs) regarding the fact that Vito Giuseppe, um, a.k.a. KNG might have been joining the team. It's obviously been quashed because, um, well, I guess the interesting or the fun thing about this is that, uh, if you recall, KNG issued an apology for his behavior over the past uh, two years or year and a half, I guess, via Twitter, which led some to believe that he was, in fact, simply issuing a PR-induced... Apology for the sake of Noah Winston, who I think he once said upon a time that he would never uh, apologize to. Uh, If you recall, Noah Winston is the CEO of MIBR, when obviously was the CEO of Immortals at the time when K&G casually tossed out a few grenades and destroyed that team (laughs) Uh, almost in its entirety. Um, the the cool thing about this is if this was not well, basically, it seems that it seems that this is a confirmation that Kng's apology uh, was either a purely pure, either purely a personal bid for the team, or Noah Winston actually said to him, "Yeah, we'd love to have you back on the team if you make an apology." Then Kng, you know, uh, what how do you say it? Um, swallowed his pride tucked in his shirt, made the apology, and then uh, Noah Winston said, just kidding, thanks for the apology, Eat a bag of dicks. Um, In which case, Noah Winston is basically the supervillain to end all supervillains. Phelps had some very lovely things to say about KNG in his last interview when they were playing on Ince together in December. Uh, I think evidence is mounting slowly that KNG is um somewhat of a misunderstood um young man with a bit of a temper and I'm sure he will be back on the scene at some point and it'll be a redemption story and everyone's hearts will be warmed now as for Tarek who is now blowing in the wind he put out a twit longer and <laughs> it's not actually that long and only one part of it actually um uh, got my attention. Towards the end, he does say the phrase well, for, for starters, for those who haven't read it he's fairly sanguine uh, I think he's going to sit on the bench for a little while and see what happens I think it was pretty well confirmed that he knocked back an offer from CLG I'm sure NV probably have put, it, put in an offer for him at some point as well, which hey Carrigan took instead uh, but he is sitting out and waiting for the next opportunity to Arise, yeah. And so, one of the things he said at the end of this uh, tweet longer was, "I have no regrets. Everything happens for a reason." And this stuck in my craw a bit, uh, you know. I broke up with a girl because of this, actually, because of this. Uh, well, well, not really because of this, but this was kind sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for our particular relationship. Uh, she was a very sweet girl. She was a reality TV producer in Los Angeles. Her job was literally making drama out of nothing. Um, if you ever worked in reality TV, you would know that's what they do. I myself was a producer for a reality TV show for a short period of time. How's this? Just a little bit of um, Croatian beer and some uh, hardcore cold and flu meds. You're getting some personal details out of old truthy here. Um, anyway, I'd called off on this girl basically a week prior to the eventual sort of nail in the coffin for this one um and i told her that it was over but we used to have this routine where we would sort of watch tv together i actually don't watch tv at all it's never really been a thing that i've enjoyed too much but um with her because it was her job she used to have to watch the shows really religiously i sort of gotten into this mode of watching them with her naked and afraid was one of our favorites at the time. Uh, Anyway, she said to me, maybe it'll be a week later, you know, I'd I'd still love if you would come over and and watch TV with me. And I said, I think that's going to be weird. I don't think I should do it. Um, And, you know, aren't you going to be... Because I was the one who ended it with her and she was like, no, no, it's going to be fine. You know, i just love to see you and I'd love to watch TV with you again. I'm like, fine. I'm happy to watch TV. I used to ride my bike past her house anyway. So I said, look, I'll come over. I won't stay too long. So I came over, I watched TV, and then the TV show's finished, and I said, "All right, I'm off." And then she turns to me and she's like, "You don't don't you feel like this is weird?" And I said, "What well, you know? What do you mean it's weird? I'm going home. Like, have a good night." She's like, "No, no, but I just feel like there's this there's all this stuff between us, and and don't you feel like when we met, um, like it wasn't you know it wasn't chance, and it was totally it was so random, and don't you feel like it's for a reason?" And I was like, "Yeah, the reason is." that we had a little relationship and now I'm going home to bed <laughs> um, but actually that's not what I said I said look I, I, you know, I don't think that things happen for a reason I think that's a moronic thing to say in fact and it's a moronic way to look at your life um, and I promptly walked out of there well actually it was, that, it was really when she said that, that I, I was like look we actually have fundamentally different ways of looking at the world like on a very basic level I was pretty um, into my Christopher Hitchens at the time I was uh, much more of an atheist than I am now. I'd now call myself a bit of a militant agnostic, to be honest with you. Actually, we'll get to agnosticism uh, later on in this pod, I reckon. I reckon it can uh, rear its ugly head once, uh, you know, a little bit later. But for the meantime, um, anyway, I walked out of this uh, her apartment and I'm I'm sort of halfway across this um, crossing near her house and she calls after me. It's like four in the morning or something. It's like the dead of night suburban LA she calls out here behind me I love you I fucking love you where are you going don't go and I was like what the hell like we'd only been dating for I don't know a month month and a half it it wasn't that serious you know it was completely out of the blue anyway I I think she thought that there was sort of cameras watching her in some version of her life Uh, but basically she didn't really understand why this was a fundamental difference between us and let me just dissect this statement by Tarek in his twit longer. <laughs> um, everything happens for a reason. Because yeah, it's I have a problem with it, um, and it's a, I differ with it philosophically. But basically, for the first for, you know, part one of my dissection of this of this line is that it's basically determinism, right? And determinism essentially makes a mockery of free will. If everything happens because of a prior plan from some god or universal consciousness or six-armed, elephant-headed, you know, um, Indian um, deity, then basically we have no agency over our own lives and we may as well not really give a shit about anything that we do. Um, Secondly, I think it's the philosophical equivalent of a conspiracy theory. Um, And by that I mean in the comfort it serves to give to the speaker. Conspiracy theories, as I think I've talked about before on this podcast, are like kindergarten uh, tales for people who cannot deal with the perplexing chaos and chance of the world. Um, And so to deal with that, with the random nature of existence, which often obviously, and for the most part, goes against us, We like to pretend that we're actually part of a narrative that makes sense when in actual fact we're just a fucking billiard ball knocking about randomly through the inertia of the Big Bang. Um, And so um, I refuse to uh, accept such facile explanations. Uh, The third part is, and this this is just me being generous really because it's it's very clear what what the person's trying to say it was very clear what th- that girl was trying to say to me it's very clear what Tarek is trying to say uh in the case of my ex she was wanting to convince me that there was something special in our having met it wasn't a month we, we probably dated for about three months uh but anyway she was trying to convince me that there was something special in us having um met and why would we not have met if you know if if not to be together forever um which is obviously discounting the fact that she meets dozens of guys a day who she doesn't Give a shit about including the homeless guy with urine stains who begged for change on the 101 entrance not far from her house uh in the case of Tarek, it's clearly a statement intended to portray an optimism for the future um i'm obviously being very uh uncharitable by going this far and dissecting what is essentially just someone trying to keep their chin up um He's basically telling us that he's not crying, right? And that he'll either make the most of this opportunity for a new start or he's confident in the circumstances he's already uh, got around him. He's confident that someone else, at least, will decide to give him a new opportunity. Um, which, funnily enough, if you peer closer to that last statement as well, both of those rely on free will in his case, uh, and sorry, in, 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 in his free will in the former example and in the latter, in other people's free will. Um, am I going too far up my ass at this point? It's, it's quite possible. Um, but I think we can end this little section here by paraphrasing one of the most the greatest unsung philosophers of our day, Bruce R. Reichenbach. And I'm just going to change some words here. But he basically says, everything doesn't happen for a reason, but because of a reason. The universe uh, slash gods slash the flying spaghetti monster didn't make Kirby leave Astralis just so that Magus could, could join. Kerby obviously just wanted to party with AZ. Um, anyway, there's, look, there's a certain type of girl, just to, just to continue this sort of Bukowski-esque flow, there is a certain type of girl who upon reaching her late teens or early 20s Around the time she discovers the joy of putting on makeup and short skirts and going to clubs and bars where men buy her drinks, uh, which leads her into the joys of certain drinks such as Aperol spritzes and vodka cranberries, there's a certain uh, type of girl who uh, decides that the next step in her life at this point should involve posting a maxim to her Instagram, and that maxim should be something along the lines of, It's not the number of breaths we take, but the number of moments that take our breath away. Another favorite of this certain type of girl is live, laugh, love, or dance like nobody's watching, etc., etc. Uh, but if you fast forward 15, 15 years with a certain subset of this certain type of girl through a litany of misfortune that I won't recite here so as not to depress us both, uh, and that same woman decides the time to post to her Instagram or Facebook or whatever futuristic version of MySpace will exist. Um, uh, the, the, the same woman decides this time has uh, ripened yet again. Uh, this time she may post something more along the lines of when life gives you lemons, make tequila and lemonade. There's a point out of all of this. And the point of this is to say, uh, however you like to say this particular cliche, just a better it's, just, it's, a, it's basically a better way of saying I'm going to create a reason out of this chaos. I'm going to pull up my fucking socks and keep on living because that's what the ever-mutating cells inside my body are collectively urging me to do. That's what Terek was trying to say when he said, so clumsily, everything happens for a reason. But I wish and I hope and I pray that he and others like him will find a less facile and obnoxious to my brain way of saying, I'm okay. I will be okay you know actually I looked up several uh, Instagram cliches prior to recording this segment um, because I did have the tiniest of tiny ideas that I did want to talk about Tarek's twit longer one that actually made me laugh out loud was (laughs) it takes more muscle to smile than it does to frown (sighs) to anyone who actually ever says this to you Tell them, yeah, you know what? You're right. And now uh, my face is actually working out and you are ruining my flow. (sighs) Let's move on. Let's put a little sting here and let's separate this segment from the next one. Feels good to get a little bit loose again on this potty. It's been uh, it's been a little while of it's been it's been quite a few episodes of fairly rigid uh, news giving opinion uh, opining I should say, um, and uh, it's nice to get back to just a bit of a bit of banter between you and I. Seized has found himself a team. Uh, actually, Seiz has had a team now for a while called Under Pressure. He founded it in October. Alongside Staricks and Hooch, if you've been following his fortunes, they actually qualified for the European Minor. Yeah, the European miner. I'm right? No, this the CIS Minor, I should say. Yeah, sorry. Um now, Seized, of course, has come up on this podcast several times. He's been blowing in the wind for some time after being somewhat ignominiously rejected from uh navi in when was it early 2017 late uh, late 2017 uh he did have a, a short stint with Flipside, a short flip uh, stint with gambit um before we get more before we get more into in depth on what's happened with seized recently let's just talk about Sterix and hooch because you may not be aware of Sterix and hooch if uh you only got into counter-strike in the last couple of years Starek's known to his mother as Sergei Ishuk, He's 31. He's basically about to die of old age. He's been kicking around since 2001 in the Counter-Strike scene. He had his biggest success with Na'Vi as a player and a coach, including being the number four rated player in 2010. He actually slipped to the number 20 rated player in 2011, and I've done the maths on that. And if he fell the same amount proportionally every year since... He is now currently the number 847, 600,000th player on HLTV. Uh, He's also notably had the first back-to-back aces in a pro match, which was against SK, I think, in 2012. Moving right along to Hooch. Hooch is also 31, which I guess means the two of them have managed to hook up some sort of good internet to their retirement village. Uh, He's been involved since 2004, so basically he's a total noob compared to Starix, Hooch uh, or according to the name on his driver's license, Dmitry Bogdanov. He's previously played for Virtus.pro and Gambit in 2016, but he's mostly been kicking about in lower-tier CIS teams for the last 10 years. Um, the other two players to round out this team are Kalinka and Scooby-G. They're coming in from Kick Esports Club. Kalinka is Nikolai Ris. He's a 24-year-old Lithuanian. And Skubshi is Alexander Murnich, a 21-year-old Ukrainian. Now, the reason this is making the news not only is because they've qualified for the European minor, but they've also found themselves a juicy, juicy sponsor. They are Runtime.gg. So the the team is now called Runtime, which I kind of like. It's kind of a cool name. It's got a bit of an 80s vibe about it. We'll get on to Runtime, but for the moment, let's just have a little chat about Seized again. Because Seized has unfortunately fallen out of grace with many in the community. And uh, (laughs) if you were um, active on the Reddits approximately 11 months ago, you might know why. Uh, There was an absolutely mind-boggling compilation of plays uh, of his that emerged from a game against a team called Stiffmeister. Uh, This was in an MDL, I think it was season 27 match. And his plays were... His play in that match was so appalling, and if you haven't seen it, seen it, go and watch it now. It's 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 really it's a car crash. I mean, I'm surprised it's not on Live League. To be honest with you, uh, but basically, people immediately accused him of throwing the match, and I can't remember what he said about it. To be honest, um, I think Richard Lewis gave it a good, good bit of airtime on uh, his and, and, and Thorin's podcast. So I'm I'm confused as to what was acid, what was actually you know a, an accusation, and what was proven in the end. But uh, there are there are only three real possible explanations for this level of shittery. Um, one is that he was so drunk or tired um, that he just basically had no sort of coordination. The other is that he let someone else play his account, perhaps some sort of um, you know blind and deaf, um, one armed um peasant uh the other the other explanation is that he was throwing for money none of these scenarios are a great look and his most his most recent interview with hltv which i think is actually at the top of hltv as of recording this podcast isn't a great look either because he does a lot of i'm not going to say what was wrong with that team but there was a lot wrong but i won't say what it is uh he does a lot of that which is very annoying um, and sees, you know, I've been um, shilling for you on this pod. I've been shilling for you. I've worked my fingers to the bone uh, pleading your case on this podcast and you're not doing me any favours here. Anyway, let's move on to Runtime. Runtime.gg. These are the guys who have pulled under pressure from the pressure they were under. They've uh, given them some jerseys, I assume. Put Putting them up for the uh, minor and uh, quite possibly will... <laughs> pull the eject uh, eject um, lever if the boys don't actually make it to the major now let's just let's just dive a little bit into runtime.gg they're a manufacturer of performance nutrition at least that's what they say it actually appears to be their first csgo team on first uh, googling but it's actually not and we'll talk more about that in a second but this is their first CSGO team, I guess, uh, that they, are, they have basically taken over and named. Um, on their website, they have various things that you can buy called Next Level Meals, which is basically packaged food billed as meal replacements. Each package can uh, offers four to six hours satiation, in the, their, their words. Uh, it's ready in 60 seconds by adding water or milk. When I go to the ingredients on the side, it says vitamins, minerals, and BCAAs. It's capital B, capital C, capital A, capital A, and then a small s, which might mean bad chemicals from the asses of armadillos for all the explanations that they give, because there aren't any. A little Googling tells me that BCAAs actually help our bodies after a workout, and yet are not actually made by our bodies. So uh, let's, just, let's just assume for the moment they're steroids, Um, They don't tell you which BCAAs are actually in this, um, although this is not true. I did a little more Googling, and I did find out what is in BCAAs and what they are. They're actually basically uh, um, amino acids, and they tell you what's in them, but it doesn't really mean anything to me. Uh, They have another heading under this sort of explanation of their ingredients, or supposed explanation of their ingredients, which is similarly vague, which says, what is contained in uh, the next level meal? And the answer to this is, our meal consists exclusively of high-quality and natural ingredients thanks to isomaltulose. The body is constantly supplied and a long-lasting feeling of sati- sati- satiety. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. I know how to do it. I'm, I'm telling you, dear listeners, I know how to pronounce this word. I know what it means. I'm just halfway through a Croatian, an enormous Croatian red beer. And my Sudafed has just kicked into fourth gear. Uh, Anyway, ingredients such as collagen and BCAAs ensure increased regeneration. Together, they help the body to rebuild and regenerate exhausted cells. Signs of fatigue and limpness hmm, are thus quickly and effectively counteracted. Now, I did a little Google on isomaltulose as well. And it's described as an emerging carbohydrate. (laughs) So it's, um, I don't know. What else do we describe as emerging? It seems like a weird way to describe a chemical. Mm. You actually really only see it. Um, well, I often see it in terms of music producers. DJ Khaled is an emerging producer, you know, out of Sweden who makes hard house beats for David Guetta. Um, that sentence made no sense, obviously, but you understand what I'm saying. How can you describe a carbohydrate as emerging? That's ridiculous. What is it going to be famous in the next six months? Anyway, it is gaining interest, apparently, as an alternative sweetener to sucrose, primarily because of its low glycemic index properties, which for the sweaty unwashed mas- unwashed, mas- un- unwashed masses basically means it's digested slower. Um, it's also apparently found in honey and sugarcane juice. So actually, you know what? Maybe I, I, I shouldn't have um speared the description for being uh, ridiculous because it probably is emerging it probably will be the next food trend and you'll see people blogging about it and nutritionists talking about the isomaltose isomaltulose index or content or whatever um anyway look this is a good sign we know that Seized and Starrix and Hooch and the boys are going to be fueled by os- uh, isomaltulose. Um And in fact, right underneath this info was a little picture of Gob B, who was giving it a plug to, for the old dollars. So it appears big are also sponsored by Runtime. Runtime is in fact Smooya's favorite meal replacement. Actually... As I said, I did find the ingredients buried elsewhere in the site. And they're basically oatmeal, maltodextrin, whey protein concentrate, psyllium husk, cocoa powder, and the other sort of, you know, bits and bobs you'd expect. Basically, they are selling oatmeal, sugary oatmeal. Um, so put that into you. Uh, this actually leads us very smoothly into the CIS miner which begins in three days. Now, apart from runtime, we have Gambit, Windstrike, Avangar, Pro 100, Simon or Simmon, Spirit and Nemiga. <coughs> um, I haven't actually heard of all of these teams before. Well, um, perhaps I have, and I've simply forgotten. Uh, Simon or Simon, S-Y-M-A-N, is news to me, as is Nemiga, N-A-M-I-G-A. Probably should have been paying more attention to this minor. Qualifier previously, but at this point in time, I of course will be cheering for Windstrike, as they contain the embodiment of all that is wholesome, the embodiment of all that is good on this earth. The person you would get if if you spliced Billy Bunch's genes with those of Jesus of Nazareth, of course. Loyal listeners, you know I'm talking about Boomich, A.K.A. B O O M B L four, A.K.A along with Quick, actually, the only surviving member of the great windstrike strike roster decimation of 2018. The man whose wave to fans in the crowd at the PGL Major Krakow was deemed by the Pope, Nelson Mandela, and the ghost of Mahatma Gandhi as the most wholesome moment in the history of human civilization. Now, the two teams uh, that are the favourites in this minor are definitely Avangar and Gambit. Although Spirit are actually currently ranked one uh, rank above Gambit. Spirit are 37, Gambit are 38. Gambit, of course, now have Angel and Bondic in the roster. But Avangar are all the way up on 18th. And if you want to know a little bit more about the other teams, all I can really tell you is that uh, Simon Simon is 86 ranked. Pro 100 is 46, Winstrike is 51, Namiga is 57. Actually, Namiga have a player called Lollipop 21K. Can you imagine Sadikist popping a vein as Lollipop 21K gets a 4K to win the Katowice Major 2019? (coughs) I'd love to hear it. Uh, Now, shortly after this, we have the Europe minor. That's uh, in six days. This is the one to watch for sure. It has the much, much higher ranked teams. We've got North, Optic, Windigo, Mousesports, Ence, Vitality, and Valiance. North are ranked 10th, Optic are 19th, Windigo are 30th, Mouseports are 5th, whatevs, Ence are 12th, uh, Valiance are 39th, and Vitality are 21st. Um, now, the team I left out of here, on purpose, uh, are actually the X-Space Soldiers team who, of course, are now bereft of their star player in Jantares, who is (laughs) quaffing uh, supplemented oatmeal sachets with Gobby and the boys over in Germany. And they've replaced him. I did mention this last episode, but I didn't actually talk about it much. They have replaced him with Yam. Yam was, of course, the Orpah on Tainted Minds. His real name is Yaman... Organicon. I'm pretty sure I've gotten that uh, wrong, but that's a phonetic pronunciation, and I refuse to be sued. Uh, now, he moved in September from Tainted Minds, and actually, at the time, Tainted Minds did say we're letting him go because he wants to go and play in Europe. His heart was in Europe, and that was his dream. And in December, he posted that he was definitely moving to Europe and was open to any and all offers and put his little Gmail address at the bottom. And you know what? To be honest with you, there was a very unkind moment that uh, occurred in my little black heart where I thought, good luck to you, mate. You're 30 years old and you're coming from Australia in tainted minds. What the hell are you going to do and who is going to pick you up? How mean-spirited and wrong I was. You know, one thing I overlooked was that he actually has Turkish heritage. So... I'm not sure as to whether or not these guys are going to be speaking Turkish or not but you would assume, one would assume that rather than actually going uh, uh, all out into speaking English which would just be crazy especially as there's not much time before these miners, they would pick up someone who they can slot into the team who can speak the language. That's pretty cool if he can speak the language because he's got a lot of experience and uh, this is a wonderful thing for him to have uh, found. Um, those guys are only ranked 45th, but we've seen them do some amazing things, obviously, in the past. And as we've surmised as well in this podcast before, perhaps some of their limitations or the ceiling, the, uh, the glass-like ceiling substance that was um, you know, above their heads for quite some time in 2018, uncomfortably close to their heads, in fact, may perhaps have been caused by uh, management issues. Um, Here's the problem about making this podcast being somewhat meted up. I start a sentence and I go and I ramble so long on it, I'm not exactly sure where I started and where to end it. Either way, uh, this is exciting for YAM. Space Soldiers will obviously be looking at very closely and I hope they can do something fun. Ex-Space Soldiers, I should say. Uh, And the favorites for this... Minor are obviously mouseports. Those guys are the best team here for sure by far, even with old mate Sticko back in the Rostos. Uh, Optic will be fun to watch, see how they go with Refresh, uh, who has the coolest haircut now in Counter-Strike. We haven't seen much of HS. Twists... Is reluctant to assume the mantle and so it falls fluttering from a great height onto the shoulders of refresh the second uh place in this minor because of course only two teams can make it through will be the one that will be the most exciting to watch we've got Ents North Optic and Vitality who I think are the top contenders for this Ents have obviously jumped a lot of places in the last year basically coming from nothing Uh, there's a lot of speculation if Optic don't make it out of this miner they will then yank Carrigan over to get rid of Cadian Um, or is that North? No it's North Um, Optic could do with some leadership too because Snappy has not been doing very good things there for how long has it been now? hmm too long and uh, of course vitality will be a fun one to watch they now have alex instead of happy but they also have the wild card of ZywOo, who to be honest with you make vitality at this point in time a really fun team to watch let's get into some things that i've learned <laughs> in the last week So as you know, last episode, I was going to talk a lot about inner life and stuff like that and couldn't get my act together. And unfortunately, the same is true with this one. And I had a lot of things to say about women in this podcast about girls and dating apps and love and how the modern world has changed and how I've changed and what I've learned. But actually, I'm not sure that I really know exactly what I want to say. Um, And I did talk about that inner life essay from Sebastian Smee last episode I was going to quote some things from it actually he has some really great quotes from Chekhov but actually I think you should just read it anyway and I found out this morning it's available on Amazon so if you've got a Kindle download that, Bianch, and wrap your peepers on it Uh, the basic idea that I've been thinking about really is that we have inner lives (laughs) we have digital lives But for the sake of creativity and peace of mind, we basically need—we actually kind of need—to keep them separate. And Sebastian, in the essay, wonders whether we're so proficient at creating digital lives that for some of us, they're basically becoming our life. Pardon me. In my experience, actually, all my friends who've been like really focused on their their on their outer life, like utterly. Just full steam ahead on career. Um, basically, focus on the person that they present to the world, as opposed to the person they are inside. They've either had epiphanies or breakdowns in their thirties or their forties, when they've when they've achieved what they wanted career-wise, or realized that they never will achieve what they want. At that point, they're sort of felt forced to turn inwards and pay attention to their inner lives. Um, I've previously talked about meditation on this podcast as one of the ways we can get back in touch with our inner lives. But actually, I'm really not that big into meditation, uh, to be honest with you. And I think it's because when I was about 23, 24, 25, I had this girlfriend who was obsessed with yoga. Like she was just... Yoga was the answer to everything. Um, And... She had some issues. Um, what an interesting person doesn't. But she saw yoga as this panacea or this cure-all, I should say, for all of her troubles. And she had the fanaticism of, well, basically a religious fanatic and would ascribe or prescribe yoga for every sort of ailment from you know mild depression to full-blown raging psychosis. Uh, but the way she used to describe yoga to me you know rang an alarm bell and and here's here's the thing she was a model right so she traveled around the world modeling and there wasn't really any uh, fulfillment from that job it's very few people who actually get a lot of creative fulfillment or career fulfillment or emotional or uh, intellectual fulfillment from standing in front of a camera and moving your body in different ways and wearing someone else's clothes right it's it's, it's if if you're fulfilled by that. Put, let me put it this way: if you're fulfilled by that, then there's not much going on upstairs. So as a result, she didn't have a lot of. She hadn't developed a lot of talents and hobbies because she was modelling from quite a young age. I, on the other hand, had, and some of the things that I'd naturally developed as a child, uh, that I'd uh, I basically functioned for me in the same way that yoga functioned for her. So like walking with my dog, or drawing, or making music, or listening to music. Um, and the way she described yoga was actually eerily similar to the sort of flow state that I got when I was doing those activities. And I think it's meditative if you do that activity for its own sake. So if if you, if you don't have any, basically any, anything staked on an outcome, uh, and if you can enjoy this activity and lose yourself in it for a bit, I think that's just as good as meditation, which is why I'm not that huge a practitioner of it because I have a whole lot of other mechanisms that I developed <coughs> Pardon me to cope with you know, all the things that uh, we meditate uh, to deal with. But anyway, I guess a lot of people talk about meditation and mindfulness as these days as being the way we can connect with our inner lives. But um, Sebastian's essay was quite good because he, he's very good at illustrating some of the moments where our outer self connects with our inner self in quite spontaneous and unexpected ways. Like, for instance, when you see a particularly arresting picture when you're wandering in a gallery by yourself. Um, One of the more interesting things about the essay, actually, too, is that it gets to the point where he expresses some sort of um, appreciation for the value of uncertainty, which I really like, Uh, and sort of to explain to you, what I mean, I've had this had this inkling uh, for a while, and it's because of the behavior of my father, actually, <clears throat> that uncertainty is one of the most valuable uh, things we can embrace. And if you heard my little talk about how we can deal with fathers at Christmas, you'll know, perhaps by inference, that my father is quite a rigid man. And my father is not someone who likes to really have a discussion with me about the gray area of certain things. I think as he gets older, he does. And I think with his friends, he does. But when it comes to me, it was always a, he always wanted to be certain about things. <clears throat> and I get that. That's part of being a, a, a parent and a father. But I could see that that rigidity didn't allow him to change or progress or learn. And so I started to feel like embracing uncertainty or being okay with uncertainty was a very brave thing to do. Uh, I think I've talked about dialectic therapy on this podcast before, but if not, dialectic therapy is basically a form of therapy that uh, it doesn't get you to embrace uncertainty, but it really encourages you to embrace contradictions. <coughs> so two two premises at once, and the idea that both of the, both of the things can be true, or neither of them could be true, or both of them are possibilities. Um, so, for instance, if my wife, if I've asked my wife repeatedly to clean her clothes out of the, the laundry, and I see that she hasn't cleaned her clothes out of the laundry, I can, I don't just immediately think, well, I hate my wife and she hates me and she doesn't respect me because she doesn't do what I asked. <coughs> I can know that she likes me and loves me and still respects me and simply didn't clean her clothes out of the laundry because of something that's going on in her. And I can hold those two contradictory or uneasy bedfellows of thoughts in my head at the same time and be okay with it. I think that's actually quite a (coughs) hallmark of growing up because so much of what is around us is, is basically contradictory, right? And I think it's the only way we can actually accept ourselves or accept human beings uh, in any way, shape or form because we are contradictions. We present something to the world and maybe we feel something differently inside uh, and we constantly hold or present different viewpoints about ourselves and about the world on a daily basis. I also think that that the uncertainty is a real antidote to what the internet draws out of us uh which is certainty and i think this is because there's really only certain opinions and i don't mean (laughs) particular opinions i mean opinions that are that are made with absolute certainty that get attention the more convinced we are or the more certain we are of an opinion the more attention we will get for that opinion (coughs) And I'm actually quite guilty of that myself. If you listen to my conversation with Max Mellett, um, you can hear when we start talking about women and girls and dating and things like that and sex, my ego actually gets the better of me and I'm not proud of that episode in some ways because of it uh, because I'm grandstanding. And Max was very encouraging in this regard and so it's not entirely my fault. Uh, (laughs) But... I can definitely hear when I stop being careful or truthful about my words and go into, I wouldn't say extreme views, but uh, I just go forward with things that I know are going to get, I don't know, a rise out of Max. Not that I was saying anything I didn't believe, but I stopped being careful. I don't mean careful in a, in a um, self-censoring way. I mean a uh, careful in... I don't know. Careful in a... Careful... Mm, careful in a kind way. Right? I stopped thinking about... What I actually thought Max should hear... And started saying things that I think he wanted to hear. I hope that makes sense to you. Anyway... I think that's why Max is going to be a good journalist, actually, because he's a sympathetic ear and he's going to draw all sorts of shit out of players that they will later regret saying in the next couple of years. Mark my words. Uh, But I hope you get what I'm talking about here. I'd like this podcast to be more of uh, an an uncertainty-embracing podcast, which is why I often um, give opinions about players and caveat them with the fact that I don't know the players, I don't know the teams, it's purely speculation. Um, anyway, at this point in time, as I said at the beginning, I'm overseas. I'm working very hard. I'm away from dating and women and the apps and stuff, and I have a little more chance for objectivity. I think I will in the future say more about what I've learned uh, about relationships, etc. once I've shored up my thoughts about it. In the meantime, I actually posted a video on my Twitter of Andean Flamingos. Andean flamingos in their mating dance. And if you haven't seen this mating dance, the mating dance of Andean flamingos, I suggest watching it. Uh, my Twitter is of course, at the truth find the link, press play, gets really, really good around 40 seconds in. Um, <clears throat> if I had no idea about what birds were, I'd never seen one. I would imagine that this video was some sort of 3D visualization of a sample of people on dating apps. Um, Now, another thing that I've learned this week is actually quite interesting. It's about different cultures. Uh, If you're a long-time listener of the pod, you'll know that I've been doing a lot of research into family therapy. The reasons uh, for which may one day be made clear on this podcast, I don't know. But for the meantime, uh, there's a therapist called Francis Hsu. I don't actually know how to pronounce that last name. It's H-S-U. Anyway, Francis I'm not even clear whether Francis is a boy or a girl. (coughs) But Francis describes uh, different cultures and the most important dyad in their family system. So dyad is, of course, the uh, team of two people. (coughs) And I've used that uh, term talking about teams often because I compare teams to families and I think it's useful to do so. But one of the things that Francis did was divide cultures into four types. And he did this by determining cultures that had different dominant dyads. So to start with, the Western societies, which would probably be the majority of people listening to this podcast, the dominant axis in that family, or the dominant dyad, is the husband and wife. Right? And everything else is subordinate to that relationship. And you find that families have problems when that, in the West anyway, when that dyad is threatened either by a child or a grandparent or an in-law or a neighbor or whatever, someone outside the family. Um, The next type is Asian societies and the most dominant, important dyad in that family is the father-son dyad. Hindu families, the most dominant axis is the mother-son dyad. And in African societies, the most important dominant access is the brother-to-brother dyad. And I'm just going to quote here from Francis. He says, the, or she says, <clears throat> Western society seeks to weld the married pair closely to avoid the dangerous possibility that a child may enter a subversive coalition with either parent. Traditionally, Hindu society is sought to place distance between man and wife, to avoid subversion of the all-important mother-son tie. Further, in the African society which which favours the brother-to-brother dyad, the strain line is often apt to be between father and son who have a culturally prescribed avoidance pattern. Intergenerational male homicides are the most common form of murder in many African groups, and part of the reason may derive from the custom that forces a first-born male to wait until his father is dead before he can share any of his father's accumulated wealth. Now, I'm sharing this because it blew my mind. <coughs> I've always I've been traveling from a young age. I, I went to, I guess I did a lot of traveling from the age of 13 onwards. And one of the cliched observations about traveling is that you realize how everybody's the same. But this research actually proves that well, not everybody is the same. At least in terms of the way we structure our families and the way we place on importance on different uh, relationships in the families, the way we prioritize different relationships. And if you are out there and listening to this podcast, <clears throat> and you're a Western dude, let's say, I get a lot of listeners from Sweden let's say you're a young swedish boy from um, stockholm and you've fallen in love with a lovely let's give you a name you are jonti <coughs> or yonti as your friends would call you you've fallen in love with a lovely hindu girl we'll call you uh, we'll call her pranali and uh, you're going to get married now maybe pranali's parents are modern enough that they're okay with this marriage not being arranged (coughs) but you have to start thinking about the fact that your family and your model and your society and your grandparents come from a culture that prizes and prioritizes the husband and wife coalition (coughs) pardon me, above any others whereas Pranali's perhaps prioritizes the mother son relationship above every other uh, anyway, I have no where exactly that I'm going with this stuff, but I just found it really fascinating. It's actually worth noting that that particular research was done in the late 80s. Uh, so things might have changed, particularly with the westernization of many other cultures. Although, you know, I think there's um, there was actually another piece of research that blew my mind recently that really talked about the differences between cultures. And that was to do with the trolley test, uh, if you'll know, uh, if you, you listen to the podcast for a long time, you also know that I, I've done a lot of research into artificial intelligence over the last year. Um, and one of the things that came out about that was about uh, uh, self-driving cars. And in the field of self-driving cars is some, uh, well, philosophy professors, really, who are interested in the trolley problem. And the trolley problem is the idea that if you have a self-driving car that potentially comes into a scenario where it has to either steer the car into a wall uh, sorry steer the car you know it's well the car's heading for someone who jumps out in front of it right and it can either kill that person or steer the car into a wall and kill you what should the car be programmed to do and one of these professors called Iyad oh god I forget his name but he was from the University of Oxford he did a online did an online survey survey and invited people from all around the world to partake. And I think he had over 7 million people participate. I could be wrong. could be 3 million. Anyway, a shit ton of people participate. And the most fascinating thing that came out recently was a breakdown of the different countries and their responses. And they ranged from invariably a particular culture choosing to kill the pedestrian to invariably a particular culture choosing to kill the driver of the car um i'll start with in the middle of the spectrum which was sort of half and half and they were the western countries so countries like australia great britain us sweden um but on the end of the countries who decided that invariably the person to kill was the driver was japan and if you been to japan you'll know that their culture revolves around a sense of community (coughs) of community responsibility of of social cohesion and self-policing whereas on the other end of the spectrum the country that invariably and this was quite an outlier as well invariably chose to kill the pedestrian was china and the chinese who come very much from a culture, despite the fact that they are not (coughs) Americans, a culture that prizes individuality above the community at large. So that to me was also a very interesting uh, portrayal of the differences between cultures. We have Asian societies who believe the father-son is the most important relationship. Western societies who believe the husband and wife is the most important relationship. Hindu families who believe the mother- mother-son mother is the most important relationship. African societies who believe the brother-brother dyad is the most important one. And yet again, Chinese responders to this admittedly limited online, respondents, online test who believe that a... Uh, look, I don't even know why I'm talking about these. I just found them both fascinating because... I guess I've been brought up to believe that we're all the same. And in many ways, of course, we are. We all want very similar things. We all want biologically to survive and do the best for our offspring and you know, see our progeny prosper and go on to reproduce themselves. But we all want it in slightly different ways. And... And it's really interesting to see those ways be uh, writ clear. Now, (coughs) I think we should end this podcast because I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth here. And let's, why don't we end with a song by Beaufort? Now, Beaufort uh, are responsible for the music at the beginning and end of this podcast. And there's a new single that they're bringing out it's been a long time since I've had any new music so why not play it on this podcast you can all have a listen see what you think uh, and I'm going to end with it And if you enjoy the podcast you can um, abuse me on twitter at the truth csgo watch some flamingos dancing like absolute buffoons you can send me an email the truth at the truth csgo.com there's a discord on our twitter and enjoy this new single by Beaufort it's called that feeling until next time enjoy
3: the game plus <laughs> rien à cacher laisser sortir du sera comme sous gar passer sur table de l'affiage mirage. Take it all away, and you've got nothing left to hide. Put it on the table, cause you can't keep it all inside. What's in the must flip up at the terminal by yourself? And give our love to someone